0: Welcome to Design to Thrive podcast. Um, This is a place where teachers and school leaders and community partners come to talk about the fantastic things that they're doing to create schools where all kids are valued, that they are empowered, and that they experience success. Um, I'm your host, Alyssa Frazier, and um, I am really excited today. I know I always say that, I'm excited. but I'm really excited today um, for a couple of reasons. Um, So we have Mandy Freilig who is with us today and um, Mandy is a education consultant and she's also an author, Uh, but more personally, Mm -hmm. Mandy is um, a part of the EduMatch family. And um, I am really blessed to have found a group of educators that um, bring in diversities of experiences, diversity of thought, um, and that are really, really, really about like solving problems. And so what I've found with with EduMatch as a professional learning community is that folks are really vulnerable and that they can say, hey, I did this and it sucked, or hey, I'm working on this, put out an APV, and then we get help, we get resources, we get ideas, and um, and it's like okay to do that instead of the like i'm in this thing and this thing becomes a badge and that badge becomes mm-hmm. a posture and that posture becomes um like a thing instead of like um a human group and so mm-hmm. um mandy is um s- just super down the earth um yes so all of that personal all of that personal so that's that's the mandy that i know but for everybody else she's all of that um but she is a um is she is a, a world-renowned author um she's got a couple of books um the fire within the divergent ed you help me out yeah. um reignite the flames. reignite the flames yep. all, all of that um and so I've brought her on today to talk about a couple of things. Um, I And let me back up before I even go into all that stuff. So I've just given like a speed intro to Mandy,
1: but <laughs> Mandy, would you please introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. And. Um, I, that was probably the best introduction I've ever gotten because I, I love that you think I'm down to earth. Like I try so hard, uh, so hard to relate to people. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I, I used to be—I was an educator, elementary educator, and then I was a tech integrator and, and a director of innovation and technology. And um, I had started to consult with districts and things, and on anywhere between. Um, innovation and innovative thinking, which is what Divergent Edu is about, and educator mental health, which seems like they don't go together, but they absolutely do. If you're having mental health issues, you're uh, much less likely to um, to be thinking innovatively. And so, um, I, I had the opportunity to start consulting full time, and I absolutely love it because I get to work with districts just from coast to coast and Um, And I do like a lot of long-term contracts. So I get to work, uh, you know, with the same group of people over and over instead of uh, like, you know, doing keynotes is amazing and I love it. And that's awesome as well. But being able to see that growth over time is really what kind of fills my bucket. And so I love doing, love doing those things. And then, like you said, I work with you through EduMatch as well. Um, and Edge matches, I can't say I can't say enough great things about the Edge match community and Sarah Thomas, of course. Um, and but it is a very um, supportive group of of individuals, and it's instead of being kind of like, "Hey, look at me," it's a "Hey, how can I support you?" And that's it. And it's a very different. It's a very uh, good feel in comparison to you know, some other PLNs I've been a part of. And so um, I, I love that. And, and it's uh, a fantastic, just a fantastic group of people. And so that's kind of, kind of about me, I guess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the, the
0: killing part about that for me is that, um, so I met Sarah through um in Illinois, you know, we have like, it's, we have like our, our, our ice, which now is like the Illinois digital educators. Um,
1: And
0: so um, I met her from, from um, doing tech integration. And like, I was the, the, the lonely only. Um, (laughs) And we had like one other person who was, who was doing it in Mm -hmm. our school, but um, I really, you would think that you know, you're, you're at these conferences, you're in these places and you're going in to get whatever your learning is. Um, but what I found, um, was that the folks who were there that were like, I'm going to try this, Mm -hmm. right. That they were also like, I really want to do really great things for my kids, for my teachers. And, um, even though I wasn't able to have that community, like at the, the, the school's, where I was at, it was two different schools, um, that I was at. I really found that, um, in the, uh, growing kind of that PLN through the tech integrators, through the tech coaches, that I was able to connect with them on more than the tech. Mm-hmm. Right. So
1: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You become a yeah. family and, and, yeah, and I you have, it's, and, and it's crazy. I, you know, I've been, um, over the course of the pandemic, I, I've i been lonely. And it's not because I'm not around people, because I am, but it's yeah. because none of, I, I shouldn't say none of my friends. I do have a couple friends that live around yeah. me, but yeah. the majority of my friends and who I consider to be my family don't live here. Yeah. And, and I miss them like crazy. Yeah. And yeah. every single one of them, I'm at yeah. a conference or Twitter. Come every on. Twitter, Come on, come on, come Everyone.
0: on, come on, real people. So yep. yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, we are real people. It's <laughs> what it is. Um, so I wanted to bring you on the show, circling back. Um I want to bring on the show for a couple of reasons. One, because in the midst of the pandemic, we've seen that there, what's been illuminated are um is this like digital inequity mm-hmm. that, that's happening. Um, so that's one that is mountainous, but, but we're working on it. We're working on it. The other thing that we're seeing is an illumination of, um, really, because you have all these different things happening, um, we, there's a need for, um, a different level of care, I would Mm -hmm. say for the teacher's that are in these communities that are trying these things, that are connecting with different communities. You're connecting with parents in different ways. Your administrators have different concerns, uh, different things put kind of put on you. Then you have different training that you, you gotta learn because of the, the, the technology. And um, having been a teacher, both of us having been a teacher for, for years, um, teaching is exceedingly rewarding, but um, there's a lot that comes with it and um, having you kind of talk more about um, how can we um, support teachers that, that are experiencing trauma, that are experiencing fatigue, that are experiencing burnout, that are experiencing um, kind of that uh, disconnect in, in different ways. Um, how can we really support um, teachers, and so those two things, because of your kind of your expertise in these different schools with this, and then now um, this teacher, these two as well. So I was wondering, um, I wanted to bring you on to talk about those two.
1: Sure. So um, the digital equity thing is really interesting. Um, And, you know, one of the, so being a tech Tech director and, and things like that. I've been talking about digital equity for a long time, right? And I th- I always kind of thought that I, I <laughs> this sounds this is gonna sound crazy, but I always believed that I thought a little deeper about digital equity than most people because most people are always focused on the devices. Do kids have devices? And I'm like, yes, that's a piece of it. And it's also do kids have the Wi-Fi, which is usually the next piece of that. But I said that there's so much more to digital equity than that. There's, there's the equity of what do teachers know? What professional development have they been provided? You know, and not necessarily that it's their fault, but also, like, what have they just been given? Like, what has the district provided? Um, what do they have access to at home as far as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my downtown office right now because I don't have Wi-Fi at home. And so, like, I not not reliable Wi Fi, so I have to yes. come to an office in order to work, and um, you know, there's all those things. And, um, but I have to say that, what you know, when I talk about working in different districts um, around the country, I when I started out, you know, from Wisconsin and and lots of farmland, and I had, I you know, I had I had been in some of the like. "Quote unquote" high need schools in, in yes. and and with yes on things and um and I thought I really had a good um, a good grasp on what was going on and um I have I've had to do a lot of processing over the digital equity piece of it for the last couple of months because one of the projects that I did right before that I left uh, right before not that I left right before the pandemic hit um, was that I worked with the Philadelphia School District. And, and I have to say, I, I, I loved it, like loved it. Like I would do anything to go back and work with Philly again. Um, but I don't think that it was ever so apparent to me about how inequitable things can actually be. Like, I don't think I had ever seen that before in in practice, you know, and yes. when I I, I had um, conversations with um, some people in the in the Philadelphia school district as as the pandemic hit and some of the struggles that they were that they were going through just trying to get a hold of parents to pick up a device. Um, just trying to figure out what they were going to do and some of their kids didn't have electricity to charge a device, let alone have Wi-Fi. Come and, on, you know stuff. and just all of these things where the parents were m- more worried about how their kids were going to eat than if they had a device in their hands. And and these are all things that, You know, like like you may be able to think about if you think deep enough, but to actually remember the little kids that I worked with when I was there, and I would go in classrooms and I would sit next to them, and and some of them, you know, obviously suffering from some of their own traumas because, you know, there's a little one in third grade sleeping in the corner, and you know the teacher told me, "Well, there's so much gun." Gunshots going on at night where they're from, that a lot of times they come into school and they sleep because they haven't slept all night. And that is, and that is
0: that right there. And I'm sorry to jump in, but no, please do that. That is so important because, um you know, as teachers, we might say, well, you know, you need to get to bed early or you know, you need to mm-hmm. get to sleep. But you have children who are in communities, in homes, and, um, cannot sleep for for no fault due to their own and we're saying wake up or we're saying pay attention or we're saying put that screen you know like I don't see you on the screen and you know the kid might be oh my goodness I can't I I can't and this is not like oh the one right
1: Mm -hmm. like right right we're talking about we're talking about a you know a a community keep going though I'm sorry yeah no I absolutely agree and And so I think that, um, you know, in my head, I knew some of these things, but to actually see it and and just see the disparity between things like what my own children had access to and what these children had access to was truly profound for me Um, and and I don't know if I have been able to exactly put words to the experience that i that I had. And then with the additional information of them going into the pandemic and knowing some of the struggles, just from the district standpoint of, you know how how do they get, how do they get devices for people who are coming in? and uh you know they're they're supposed to wear masks but they don't have access to masks and and you know or they don't have the money to go buy masks or how do you go into a store and buy a mask when you don't have a mask to begin with and everybody's required to wear masks you know like all these different things i can't i can't go in and pick up my child's device because i don't have a mask and they're requiring me to get one and and of course it, it, you know and then and then they can't even get on the bus because they don't have a mask and and just all of those different things that um you know that they struggled with getting uh getting out there and and I think that again I've I've really had to to process through that as to how how it changed it's changed me but like how it's changed my practice and my focus and and things like that and and in some ways I would say that it's even impacted the way I talk about mental health and and um you know the specifically the mental health of of our black students going back to school you know and and we have not only the pandemic but we have George Floyd's murder and and um you know all of all of the things going on and, and, and uh, so we've been talking a lot about social emotional
0: learning mm-hmm. and creating um a community where folks are aware where folks are um, all all the different like social emotional competencies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think as teachers, we hear get to know your kids, get to know your kids. But when you think about um, social emotional learning and how that directly connects with being culturally responsive, with knowing your kids in different dimensions, which being able to empathize with them and then being able to connect with them for those um, to build up those resiliency, um, you know those 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 strengths, mm-hmm. and being able to tap into those kids and be able to find out what are the things. <laughs> things... Levi Daniel, <laughs> Levi Daniel, close the door, Levi Daniel. Thank you. Being able to tap into knowing those knowing your kiddos and being able to say, hey, look. I'm able to see these great things. I'm able to cultivate these great things. I'm able to water these great things that are within you. Not, not to say that those things are not there and these terrible circumstances, but being able to, to
1: have the kid to know that, you, that you're that you seeing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's, I, I have, you know, I give a perfect example of uh, something that happened actually when I was in Philly. And um, I, what I was there for was to coach their tech integration coaches. And so um, I was there to, to help work with them. They're already phenomenal coaches, help them, you know, grow a little bit. And so I was in a classroom, and I believe they were second graders. And um, there was a student who she had come in late, had clearly been working on some sort of behavior things outside the classroom and she came in very flustered and and i saw her and i i was you know watching the coach and watching the kids and and i didn't obviously know this little girl at all and um so I'm, I'm, I'm watching her a little bit out of the corner of my eye because I kept thinking to myself, you know, that teacher thing and you're like, oh, she's gonna bolt. She's gonna Come bolt. on, come on. <laughs> and uh, so I'm watching her and she kind of gets herself settled down and she starts to cut something, which was nowhere, she wasn't supposed to be doing that, but I'm like, just let her, she's listening. You could see her listening still. And, um, and all of a sudden the question was asked um, because they were just practicing with Google Classroom. The question was asked, um, what did you have for dinner last night? And her face fell. And I'm like, if she's going to bolt, it's going to be right now. Like this, like you could see it on her face. And I walked over to her and I kind of bent over and I'm like, Oh honey, how are you know, like, how are you doing? And, and she's like, um, she's, she, she, she said fine. And I said, okay. I said, well, do you need help? figuring out where to get how to get where we are because I noticed that um, you know you just came in and she said "Um, no I'm there and I said oh fantastic and I said well um, you know uh, so I was thinking about the question and I and I said um, you know you don't have to talk about dinner you can talk about um, maybe lunch yesterday you had lunch at school right and she clearly had not had dinner and She, uh, and I, I was, I was, it was probably the most heartbreaking moment I've ever had in a classroom and she's sitting there and she, she pops her head up and she gives me this huge smile and she says, no, I had, I had chicken and I had potatoes and I had peas and I had carrots and I had chocolate cake for dessert. And she goes on and on and on. And you know, she didn't have those things, you know, and I was Absolutely heartbroken for her. Like yes, and um, and I said to her, "Well, then you should write down all those things." You know, I said, um, "Or we can talk about what you had for lunch yesterday, too." And and she said, "Nope, I had all those things." And I said, "Okay," and I thought to myself, "Like that right there, is the power of understanding your kids." Now I didn't know this little girl, and I could see in a second what that question did and um and just really understanding your kids from the standpoint of of not asking a question like that to begin with you know being sensitive to the issues that were clearly plaguing this area of Philly and um, and then when i i looked at her and i thought to myself you probably didn't eat dinner it definitely wasn't that dinner. Come on. And you just came from a behavior, you know, working on your behavior. And you come into class and you're asked what you ate for dinner.
0: Come on. And you're in
1: second grade. And you wonder come on. why they have behavior issues. Come on. You know, as an, as an adult, we wouldn't be able to handle something like that. And we're asking yes. kids to. And, and I think, like like I said, the disparity between what I've seen and what my own kids experience just from having, you know, two parents with two incomes and being able to provide them with dinner and, and things like that, it was just, it was a really, like I said, a profound experience and understanding that SEL part. And understanding that there's really nothing more important than providing our students with the very basic things that they don't get every day. And for some of them, that's like love, attention, nurturing, compassion, you know, like all of those types of things. And none of that stuff is more important than math. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not important than
0: a a test. It's not important than a device. And in a way that that they need, not in a way, in a way that, that you need. And so we, I, even when I think about that reminds me of like, when you, when you're a kid in a class and, and um, everybody's supposed to come and and wear their, their whatever costume they Mm -hmm. are. Right. And when when I think about, um, so we didn't uh, do how that type of stuff, but, what I have done with kids is say, you know, let's create um, a shield. And in that shield, you can put, you can draw pictures of all your different aspirations or all the different qualities of this or put these symbols on here. And so everyone has created this like makeshift mask, I'm uh, not mask, but um, shield of what they have of all the fantastic things about themselves or all the fantastic things about the people that are around them that they think are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now imagine, right, that you've got a group of, of kids that all have the same thing. It's equitable because you're building it mm-hmm. in class with your materials, right? They mm-hmm. they have the choice to, to talk about one, two, three, X, Y, F, I, Z, but it's not based on if your mom went to Party City and got this amazing, <laughs> okay, come on, Got this amazing costume, or if they went to Walmart mm-hmm. or if they put something together, right in their mm-hmm. in their in their home, it allows kids to feel like they belong and it allows you as a teacher to be able to tap into all those different um, assets or dreams or things that that kiddos have in a way where they see everybody else doing it. Where it's kind of it's 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 leveled,
1: mm-hmm. and isn't there there are so many things I feel like so many emotions and triggers and all of that type of stuff that could be at least addressed if not solved with with making with having an opportunity for kids to feel like they belong. Because like I remember times when I was in elementary school and high school and and all of those things when I was left out. You know, and and maybe by no maybe by accident, maybe you know, by whether it be friends or teachers or groups or whatever it is, like that feeling of not belonging is a very specific <laughs> you know, heart-wrenching feeling and, and to feel that over and over and over again by stuff like that, um, by, you know, uh, even a, a, a bring your own device. Um, we, we had in one district I used to work in, we had yeah. an issue with the bring your own, own device thing where the haves had Macs, and the have nots used the, um, you know, district falling apart Chromebooks. You Come know? on and and that's just it's another it's another blatant equity issue there because it makes kids feel like they don't belong yes and yes so it's so yeah as far as as far as the equity thing goes i that's been a really um and i and I haven't talked about it as much as I should, probably because I've wanted to process through it. I've had a lot to process and and I want to know how I can take that and I can make things better. and and that's where that that's where I am right now with that. So, yeah, well, i I
0: appreciate that because um it's really not about victimizing or shaming people. It's really about saying, how do the things that you, take for granted or see as normal or the assumptions that you have embedded in your in your daily classroom practices even your google classroom practices right as Mm -hmm. the questions that you're developing how are those questions how can you still meet the standards if you gotta meet the standards right how can you still do all these different things but do Mm -hmm. you gotta do it this way who is included and who is excluded in what may be your normal right mm-hmm. you're normal right and you're like i didn't see well if we haven't reflected on maybe assumptions that we've come into the fold with and then we say oh my gosh the kids are not engaging or yeah. oh my gosh the kids are not talking and we haven't done that work to like you're doing to say man like i hadn't even thought about that mm-hmm. because for for you know xyz reason and so just being more um, more attuned, more empathetic and um, notice you didn't say, hey, you don't have to do the assignment. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some times where it's like, this is gonna break or break, it's not, okay? Like right. you know some things you don't have to do, but you're like, hey, we can
1: still do this in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think too that when we talk about being empathetic, we're going to have to at some point admit that we actually cannot fully empathize with a student who's listening to gunshots every night. Because oh, yeah, we don't do that, you know, and and so like, we have to employ as much empathy as we possibly can. Um, and, and understanding that like, I can't imagine what that's like. I, I mean, like, And there's, there's kids all over who are dealing with this, you know, it's not just in Philly, I'm sure it's in Chicago and and Milwaukee and, you know, other places as well. But to understand that you have kids going home to parents who are, you know, addicted to drugs and that there, and, and like, there are things going on in that home that you cannot imagine, you know, and employing as much empathy as you possibly can is, is so important. and, and and it's not it's not always about the math assignment, and it's not always about, um, you know, those types of things. I was reading a, I was reading a um, an article the other day about how there have been. Um, I think this was two weeks ago, maybe that there have been two suicides of students due to uh, oh wow on the online learning piece, that wow. that's what was cited in their letters or whatever. Oh and, my gosh! And I thought to myself you know, it might be time that we start asking ourselves as we're we're really, you know, as educators, we're overwhelmed and we can't deal with the emotions that we're having. And we have these kids and we're asking them to do things they've never done before and they never wanted to do and they never signed up for and they don't have the years of experience and maturity that we have. And And we're asking them to have it. We're telling them- That you've
0: got to sit on for so many hours that you have to sit up and be, st- that you
1: have to do. We're expecting them to do more a lot than than we, yeah, absolutely. At all ages. And, and at what point do we stop and say, are their lives really worth meeting all these standards? I get that we can't let there be this huge gap, but we're in a flipping pandemic. We when are you know it is not your normal time It is not the time where you look back at your teaching and you're like wow i really failed my science kids this year because they're so far behind no (laughs) we are you know we're in a pandemic and at some point in time our social emotional being and our health and our um you know all of the things have to be more important than school, and, and and I know people aren't going to want to hear that. You know, people who think that the kids need to we need to fill the gaps and we need to do all these things. But I can tell you that my, you know, I I would say any kid, any kid on this planet's life is worth more than yes, I. yes, absolutely.
0: And even, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch just a little bit, um, but even teachers really being honest with themselves about where where they're at and i'll, I'll tell you a, um, a story without giving away details so um a little girl who's very near and dear to my heart um was on e-learning um friday it was a thursday or friday and um the little girl said you know miss freilich my eyes hurt. I'm looking at the screen and my eyes hurt. My eyes hurt. Right. And the teacher said, well, Sally, I know sweetheart, my eyes hurt too. And she's like, and I really am looking forward to when we can be together again. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought to myself, you know, that was a really like humanizing point that you just did yeah but I wonder and then she said and you're not the only one <laughs> right Yeah. but yeah. I wonder if that teacher then reached out to that admin and said I have multiple kids who are six years old who are telling me that their eyes hurt and they're in and, and the little kid voice you know like my like, eyes uh-huh, right. hurt it's you know, so like oh, and then she's saying, "Well, mine do too." And I just wonder how we're creating spaces. And this goes out to teachers talking to teachers, and this goes mm-hmm. to to admin to say, "Are we checking in with our teachers um, about the headaches that they could be experiencing, about the the stress of of of, and I mean the physical stress of looking." of having to look at the screens for so long, the mm-hmm. physical stress of having to manage this and how are we creating supports um, to support their being able to say, just like, because she, she eventually said like five minutes later when, the, when the, the little girl was like, oh, right. She's like, I think it's time for us to take a break. Let's take our break early. It's important when we get these breaks throughout the day that you close the computer up And yes, we have moving breaks, but I need you to take a breathing break. I need you to take a close your eyes break. And so um, I wonder one, are we being honest about that Mm -hmm. with each other? Even as teachers, like I tell my kiddos, look, if you're tired, you go take a nap. And I know I'm at home and sorry for all the parents out there, but (laughs) my kid needs to take a 30 minute nap. Usually it's not 30 minutes, usually it's like 20 minutes. But if you, your eyes hurt, or you, my kids say, my head hurts, or my stomach hurts, the stomach is, I'm stressed, and I'm anxious, right? That's what the stomach hurt yeah. And usually it's after some kid has said something like, you smell like blue cheese, <laughs> um, which just came up. Um, you're fat, and you smell like blue cheese. Oh, that's, what the little boy, no. that's what the little boy said, you're fat, and you smell like blue cheese. um But where do kids even come up with that? Stuff? That's what I thought. I was like, "Wow." <laughs> yes. I was like, "That was a really low blow." She's like, "I I would you I he said." And so, um oh. but how do, how do we do that? How do we, how do we do that? Like what would you say to teachers that are listening and to admin that are listening to support that?
1: Well, I think um one of the most important Uh, pieces of uh, there. I mean, and that's such, it's actually just a huge question um, because some of what happens has to happen at the administrative level and some of what happens has to happen at the teacher level. And one of the things that a lot of teachers are um, missing and they've been missing this all along, but the pandemic has just made it worse is the lack of boundaries um, when it comes to work. and. You know, there will always be times in every job where you work your time, and then sometimes you have to work late grading papers, or you have grades due, or something like that. Um, but that shouldn't be a that should be a constant, consistent thing. Um, and and sometimes the boundaries, um, you know, need to be set with what time work is put away it needs to be set with saying no to opportunities that other people present to you sometimes um you know the boundaries have to be set around um uh, uh, you know what time they're they're going home at night or they're taking how much, how much work they're taking home at night or with the pandemic now just how how much they're staying online and um, you know, uh, some, some teachers will say to me, well, I can't practice self-care because I've got all of this work on my plate. And my response to them has been, have you spoken to your administrator? And 90% of the time they say no. Yeah. And Administrators are not mind readers. Come on. You have to speak to them about what's going on. Now, if, if you, and you, and the other thing is, is that you have to go in with a solutions mindset. There is there are times where sometimes you just want to say to your administrator, look, I'm super overwhelmed right now. Yeah, and I am dying. <laughs> I'm yes. dying inside. Say that to them. That's fine. Yeah. But go to them with a solution as well. Look, you, you, you put like we have this project due. I cannot get it done. I can't. Yes. Or I would appreciate it if you would not email me after six o'clock because I'm not answering emails anymore. I'm not answering emails anymore on the weekend. Please don't, you know, please help respect my boundaries by not emailing me at that time. And, you know, or telling the administrator, I feel supported when you do this. X, come on. Whatever it is. And, And there are so many pieces to that. You have to know that too then you have to be able to look at yourself and say when do I feel supported because a lot of times people understand when they don't feel supported but they don't know when they do feel supported yeah needs to be communicated to administrators Um, from the administrator standpoint you know they have to be able to to voice those concerns as well to upper administration, yeah, and, and be able to advocate for those changes. And and the thing with teachers that I've realized is that when they feel listened to, when they feel heard, yes, and when they know they have a, have an advocate in their in their direct administrator, yes, they f- it makes them feel better. They feel yes. like somebody has their back. They feel like it must be just the way it is right now because nothing's being done because they're trying so hard and little things that can change the tone of an entire conversation or an entire day, you know, so there's so many things, but I I find boundaries to be one of those issues that is a, a practical thing that can be implemented to make changes almost right away.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, And so, and I'm going to stop because we're, we're definitely, these are some (laughs) things that, that we, that are great. And I really love them because they are things that we overlook one about ourselves Mm -hmm. um, because we want to do really good as teachers. We're like, but I just, if I could just, if I could just, Mm -hmm. and you would just overspend yourself um, and look up and there's half of you because Mm -hmm. you haven't taken care of yourself. And then even doing the self work to say what you said, which is like, what does work and when do I feel supported and how can I name that? And how can I speak to that? And how can I communicate that to others so that they can say, I know that she feels supported when I do this. And so I'm going to make sure that I'm a little bit more intentional, Mm -hmm. right? About um, pouring into her, pouring into her, them, pouring into him to, to give more of that. So, Um, So Mandy, for folks that, um, this has been a great show, for folks that want to get a hold to
1: you, um, can you share how they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my um, website is www.divergentedu.com. It's easier than trying to spell my last name, which you can also get there that way. Usually nobody can do that. And then um, you can catch me on Twitter at at Freilich M. It's F-R-O-E-H-L-I-C-H-M. Cool. Wonderful.
0: Well, um, for everybody that's listening, hopefully you got some fantastic um, tangible takeaways and some nuggets. And um, please know that we are the ones that we have been waiting for. And um, until next time, keep shining.